Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. After this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow. Two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us one conversation at a time. Here we go. Kelty, we're upbringing. We're here live Q&A time to talk about the hard stuff, to remind you why it's the good stuff. Mm-hmm. We progressive parents want to align all of our beliefs, right, and our goals with the daily parenting practices, especially our discipline with our kids. Yeah. So we're not perpetuating what we're fighting against outside the home, in the home. It's so easy to feel helpless in, in this political climate in these times and be like, what can I do? Okay, I'm going to go to uh, as many rallies as I can. I'm going to bring home these diverse books for my kids. I'm going to talk about racism and what we can be doing. We're going to be broadening our circles. We're going to be talking about these these things and our privilege and what does that mean as white people, right? And I think that one thing we're, we're forgetting a little bit is our power and privilege in the parent-child relationship and the ways that we are constantly <clears throat> modeling how to use power and privilege mm-hmm. or abuse power and privilege. And that's why we're here. You're ha- you're still awake. Yay, someone says we're so glad you're here. We're glad we're awake. I'm so fucking tired. Mm-hmm. We're we're getting started a little bit late tonight, and we'll see how long we can go. It's been a long day. It's been a long week. We're hey, really September. grateful to be here. Hey, everybody. Um, we're privileged not just to be cis, straight, able-bodied white women, but to be talking about this stuff as our job, as our work, as we're, a responsibility. Right? Yeah. We're not doctors. We're not psychologists, we're moms, we're parent coaches, We've got a bunch of trainings and we like talking about ways to use power beyond control. And I think that when we became parents, we always talk about this control toolbox that we were handed through our inherited legacies, probably from our parents as well, through our childhood, all of our cultural conditioning says, here you go, control on my terms now, threats, rewards, overpower, lectures, spanking, shame, blame, timeouts, 
it's probably sounding familiar to you. <clears throat> Either you've experienced these or um, you've been practicing them, them yourself or both. And it's mm -hmm. so natural and normal. And what we've been learning through our trainings, what we've been seeing in the research is all of this pointing towards the fact that we don't have to be using those, mm -hmm. right? We can be striving for better outcomes, for more connection, for better skill building, not just for our kids, but for ourselves to be practicing with alignment, like Hannah said, and with integrity as parents in those most challenging moments. So mm -hmm. what does that look like? Those powers beyond control, right? I think it, it, it looks like us talking mm -hmm. through these challenges with you all mm -hmm. and saying, what does that look like? What does that sound mm -hmm. like when my kid says this, when my child does that mm -hmm. from babies to toddlers, to kids let's dive in here so someone said almost two-year-old has started hitting i know that he isn't being mean or aggressive instead he's learned pound it like a high <clears> five <throat> but doesn't understand that it's just hand to hand and not other parts of the body how can i help <laughs> him while still letting him know pounding it on baby brother's face is not okay oh that's great yeah and i just want to say first off Kids pounding it when they're being mean and aggressive is okay it's too. It's also okay. It's all it's all okay. Mm -hmm. um, I love that you're giving him the benefit of the doubt, and you're like, he's just a mispounder. He's just mispounding a little bit. What can I do? A little confused with the pounding situation. Because barely two. That makes <laughs> makes total sense. I think in those moments, whether they, our kids are pounding each other on purpose or pounding each other because they're just like, oh, I pound fists, I pound heads, I'm confused about the pounding situation. Right? We get in there with those loving limits. So. Mm -hmm we're sensitive to the fact that that could be happening, that some pounding might happen. We would say, looks like you're trying to pound the head or I see your hand coming, I'm gonna, I'm gonna slow you down here. Remember, we're trying to just pound fists like this. Mm -hmm. Or if it's a sibling oh, thing, yeah. you Va know. Validate what yeah. he's wanting to you do. You wanna pound. Oh, you wanna pound. We mm -hmm. can't pound baby's head. So what, can, what else can we pound? And you yeah. just redirect, right? Mm -hmm. I think two-year-olds, uh, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds even, sometimes we think our words are enough. Don't pound those heads. Can't mm -hmm. do that, right? Mm -hmm. Or Stop we think touching that. a raised eyebrow is enough, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, they'll get the message that way, right? But younger kids, right? And even husbands sometimes need us to actually <laughs> follow through, move the bodies, move whatever it is and show them, mm -hmm. right? We can't always just tell them. Babies are not mind readers. Toddlers are not mind readers. Yeah. They can't even take an emotion, especially if they're wound up or experiencing some stress. Yeah. Their reception of language is, is and under not, construction. Not that this parent is saying that they're not showing yeah. him or that they're stuck only on words, right. but I think it has to be that combo. I think when our yeah. kids start approaching two, we think, okay, they're showing me they understand. I say, go grab that toy. And they go grab it. They get it. They're learning English or whatever language we're, we're using with them. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to start using my words more. And we get to a certain point where we're like, and they better do it. Or they better stop doing it. Or right. they better get it or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, to this parent, I think we would just recommend lovingly and warmly, <laughs> lovingly and warmly trying to stop the behavior and redirect and connect connect right. through it yeah absolutely but just that keep goes, redirecting over and over yeah. lovingly calmly and and he will get the idea yeah and yeah. i think you're in that like it's it's one of those things where you're like oh we're in a a pound phase like my daughter used to be in a in a bonk phase we would do like nighttime bonk good oh she good night and she'd be like duty head butter. yeah so it's like note to self she's in a head, head slamming phase note to self right. They're in their cat attacking phase. But I think note to self, they're in their door <clears throat> slamming on your fingers phase. But I love when they begin these phases in a non-triggering way to mm -hmm. us. 
because then it allows us to move in in a way that's so non-judgmental, so adaptive, so mm-hmm. calm and confident that we are not creating some sort of strange narrative or vicious cycle around these behaviors because we're scared of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if we go very heavy handed the first time our kid hits the bonks, the cat or the dog or bonks, heavy bonks, the, the sibling, if we go heavy duty on that thinking, oh, that will extinguish the behavior. <sighs> No, no, no. That can sometimes start perpetuating the behavior. Mm -hmm. So I think it's awesome you're thinking, how can I go about this sensitively? Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. We've got a lot of uh, people who wrote in on our story tag. We'll discuss those tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Someone says, my three and four-year-old are constantly fighting, yelling at each other, hitting, etc. Is this normal? How do I best help them learn to respect each other? Yes. Oh my gosh, we love talking about siblings, not Mm -hmm. just because we're sibs, but because (laughs) sibling um, conflict is one of the biggest ways we can be teaching our kids. And not through control, Mm -hmm. but through the power and inspiration of our own modeling and leadership in those moments. So the way we support our sibling in a three and four year old in this case, or in an eight and 12 year old, the way we support their struggle is the the actual way is what they will learn, how they will approach one another over time. So if we come in there and we're like, oh my gosh, you did that. Don't Mm -hmm. do that. You're wrong. You're right. Give it back. That's how they're learning to approach conflict with stress with judgment, mm-hmm. right? With binary thinking, mm-hmm. um, with victim aggressor, with right. shame and All blame. of that stuff. Yeah. And then if we come in there and we're like, oh, stop a hand here, stop a hand there. What's going on? How's everyone doing? Mm-hmm. I see you this. Can you tell me what's going on? Mm-hmm. I'm sensing this. Is that right? How's it going? What do you need? What are you needing? How's it going? Mm-hmm. Right? At the longest we can possibly do it, right? Or as and often as we possibly yeah. can. <laughs> That's what they're learning. They're learning, yeah. oh, conflict, totally normal, natural, necessary, mm-hmm. happens. I don't want to run away from it. Nobody's mm-hmm. right or wrong. Everyone's just got needs. Um, it, conflict is an opportunity to understand my own needs, to understand another person's needs, mm-hmm. to maybe see how we can get those needs met. I have optimism in a conflict. I have confidence in a conflict because she did, mm-hmm. right? That's the idea. Yeah, we, we talk about it a lot in our sibling conflict guide that yeah. you can download in our shop. Um, mm-hmm. And we love we talk about sibling stuff all the time because a lot of us are home struggling. Our kids are home um, more than they ever were yeah. uh, because of the pandemic. And I think this is totally normal for three and four year olds who are constantly fighting, yelling at each other, hitting, et cetera. And I think, yes, it's normal. And I think that we can be helping them both in the moment, like Hannah described, where we come in not as the judge, jury, hall manager, police. Right. Right, but as the cool, calm support staff, the mediator, the the EMT, mm-hmm. who's not surprised by any of this. This Seen is it so a normal. I'm just gonna get in there and I'm gonna stop bodies <clears throat> from being hurt, and I'm gonna de-escalate. That's mm-hmm. my job, right? So that's in the moment. Then we can talk too about what to do outside the moment to be supporting our sibling stuff. We how can, can ask we, ourselves. How can we set them up for yeah. success a little bit, right? Can we notice the times that they're struggling a right. little bit? Is it always right before dinner? Right? Is it always um, around this one toy? And that's when we can be problem solving a little bit. Mm-hmm. Can we station one of them chopping vegetables with us before dinner? Or can we make sure this toy is protected from the other one because they just keep getting in this vicious cycle? Mm-hmm. Or are they going through some stress? They just go back to school. Is grandma their new caregiver? Whatever it is. And they might just need us to be around a little more and, and not just be like, la la la, I hope they're okay in the other room, but mm-hmm. actually being a little more present. So when we hear those signs of escalation, Instead of pretending they're not happening, not that you're doing this, but hearing them and coming in to de-escalate sooner than later. So we don't come in raging bull, right? Right. I think that the the best way our kids can learn to respect one another is for us to respect them 
individually, so in the parent-child relationship, and as the third-party person coming in to respect their relationship first, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That The kids learn by the way we teach. Liam, you keep asking how many kids we've raised. We're currently raising four between the two of us. Um, I have a four-year-old or five-year-old and a seven-year-old. Kelty has a uh, four-year-old and a six. So our kids are four, five, six, and seven. And you can learn more about us on our about page of our website at upbringing.co that has um, all of the trainings we've done um, and uh, where we're coming from here on everything. Let's see. Someone else says, my three-year-old yells at the uh, kids at the playground to go away. And he growls at babies at the park too. He sounds that scared. Love it. Fierce little child. Amazing. Fierce three-year-old. Yes. Love it. Yeah, it's it's so easy for us in those moments of embarrassment or like oh my horror, shock. absolute horror and shock to be like, my focus, my number one priority is their socialization. They can't be a kid or a grown up who barks at people, yeah. who scares babies. That's not terrifying. My not, not my, my baby, not my <laughs> child. This sends us into like a fear spiral. Like, who are they going to become? Are they going to be like an insensitive lover, a bad friend, a cruel neighbor, a, a shitty coworker? Or how does this reflect on me? Mm-hmm. If I'm allowing my child to be raging around like a wild animal at this park, Growling at babies. I just love that this child of yours, this three-year-old growls because my, not to minimize your no, stress. Not about at it. all. I just love it and relate to it very closely because my daughter is really into cats right now. She's seven. Mm-hmm. And when she gets upset, she basically turns into a feral uh cat, like a mm-hmm. wild cat. Um I and have so, scratches on my arms. Right. So boner. I think the question here is is always why? Mm-hmm. Uh, understanding that all of these conflicts, all of these worries are a bid and an opportunity to say why. I would like to understand my child better because if we can be the first person that seeks to understand our kids, we're showing them that they're worth looking into, mm-hmm. that they can look into themselves and better understand themselves because yeah. they don't know always. But they they yeah. know what they feel is right, but they don't understand the implications of it, yeah. where it's coming from and how to get it met. But it's such a big ask for us to set aside that socialization responsibility, which weighs yeah. so heavy on our shoulders and say, I'm just going to set that aside just for a second. You're I mean, right like, here. I mean, like yeah. 17 years. Yeah. I'm just going to set that aside for a little bit. And instead of focus, focusing on that socialization, yeah. I'm going to focus on my kid's self-awareness. And that asks me to ask why, to connect about what they're needing, to connect about what they're going through. It sounds so permissive. It sounds very self-indulgent, mm-hmm. right? And selfish and self-centered. But that's what we want our kids to be. Right. Self-centered in the best possible sense of the word, which is connected to self. Right. Right. Yeah. People, older so adults who serve others well, who become selfless, who become um, self-aware, aware, all of those things, but who see to others' needs and understand mm-hmm. what others need are because they have able to, they've been able to meet their own needs. Mm-hmm. So first come, first serve. The child first, understand the mm-hmm. needs, get the needs met. Then they're more able to support other people. So what does it's very that look, backwards. What does that look like when a when a <clears throat> three year old is growling at babies and mm-hmm. telling kids to beat it on the yeah. playground? Right. I would tune into them and mm-hmm. maybe find a way to to connect and you know kind of crouch down with them in a, a moment when they're like you know licking themselves or doing whatever it is that <laughs> the cats do on the playground. I would say, how's it going? You know, mm-hmm. what's going on for you? And maybe you yeah. already know <clears throat> what's at play here. You know that. Um, their favorite slide is being used and they're angry about that. Mm-hmm. Or you know that they were just at grandma and grandpa's who give them lots of sugar and they're mm-hmm. having like a stress outburst. Yeah. Or they know that you get a little sensitive when they're around other kids 
maybe because, you know, the whole COVID situation. So they've got a little bit of stress sharing playground um, situations with other kids. Mm -hmm. So I think we always have to uh, give our kids the benefit of the doubt, Mm -hmm. honor the impulse, right? No matter how weird and wild it looks based on there and then say how skills. are you what's going on yeah see you're kind of growling oh you kind of spat in that baby's face how's it going mm-hmm. you know in our minds we're like not well it's not going well mm-hmm. but we're asking our kid to tune them into themselves what are you needing mm-hmm. and do you need sure. a, do you need a little space mm-hmm. do you need a buddy right do you need to should we go for a walk instead what do you need right now and then to those other people who or, you know, with the stricken faces who are looking really confused or horrified or offended. And those are mostly parents. Most kids don't really worry about that other the stuff. They're like fine. three-year-old running around. Yeah. Got, baby got growled at. They're just like, whatever. Yeah. I'm I cool. think we can just say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm struggling. Yeah. Struggling, struggling a little bit. A little Is bit. that, are you okay? Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. Okay. Working on this and yeah. I'm checking in with him. Right. We yeah. put on our cool, calm, sensitive support staff I've hat and badge. This. And we're like, I'm all over this. I'm, all I'm over so this. sorry that happened. Amy says, "My yes, my son hisses. The growl, love the growler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think that, um, and then checking in with them. I think oftentimes, again, we always want to, uh, in our minds, process about the impact, the socialization kind of focus that with our kids. baby. Did Why you see the you kid's face? Why would you growl? That's unkind. We can't do that at the playground, oh, right? That hurt that boy's feelings. <clears throat> right. Yeah. But instead, we want to go to the need. So that's the conversation we're having with our child in the moment. If, if, if they're if they able. Let us. If they're yeah. able. Otherwise, we're just supporting them, keeping everybody safe, letting them express themselves however they want to on the playground mm-hmm. and allowing other people to set boundaries. If they don't like my hissing child... They can go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. That is a wonderful skill to learn. Mm-hmm. Just like if we're on the playground and some kid is a little too rough, that's a great opportunity for us to work with our kid and say, you liking that? Is that cool for you? Cool. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Or looks like you're not really liking that mm-hmm. kid who's getting too close to you. Why don't we? We can't control another human. We could ask. But otherwise, mm-hmm. why don't we head over to this other side of the playground? Or do you want to ask for a little space from them? Right. Yeah. So let's give it I a would, try. I wouldn't worry about it, but I would just kind of be monitoring, be around, mm-hmm. and let your kid express themselves in the way they need to express themselves. Mm-hmm. It's it's free. They're outside on in the open air. Yeah. yeah. But our kids have those freedoms. We talk about it through our freedoms model, yeah. which you can download on our on our website along with our resist approach. The freedoms are the kind of why. Why are we talking about this? What do our kids deserve? What are their rights? What is this slow pull away from everything we're doing when they're infants to them growing and building and us scaffolding that that process mm. without controlling and dominating it too much, right? And then the resist approach is the how. But how? But how do we get through these moments of resistance, of mm-hmm. defiance, of, of big feelings and challenging behaviors and anger? How do we move through those things? So download right. those on the website. But kids hissing, yelling at other kids on the playground, that is their right to express. They have the freedom to speak. They have the freedom to feel. They have the freedom to be themselves all the time. And we don't have to be, just like we talked about with our siblings' um, conflicts, we don't have to be the police. Mm-hmm. We don't have to police our children, right? It's The social pressure is immense, but we do not have to do that with our kids, right? We can just be that that buddy, that mm-hmm. ally, that wing person. Telling hey, them I've that, noticed. Oh, and telling them how's that it going? By, by being that wing person, by be, uh, sidling up side by side with our child when they're struggling or acting in a, a strange mm-hmm. way, right, is telling them what who you are is okay. Yeah. What you're feeling is okay. What you're needing is mm-hmm. okay. All of those things, mm-hmm. right? And the way you express it, we're going to work on that yeah. it, over time. But first priority is you Isn't that what everyone what you're wants to hear and feel? Like we think about it often when we're yeah. supporting our kids through big feelings like a tantrum or huge meltdown or hissing, spitting on the playground at other kids, whatever it is. Can you think of them in that way as an ally? Like, 
if your best friends, if you're their wing person, if you and your best friend out drinking or something, you're out there and they're going a little overboard and you're like, oh, good golly. Like this is starting to feel a little bit embarrassing. Where's this going to go, right? We're not going to be like, bitch, what's your problem? What are you doing? <laughs> People are starting to look. We're going to be like, how's it going? You want a little water, right? You want to sip a little water? Like, let's take We're those stilettos off team. before we go down the stairs. Come on, <laughs> yeah. right? Right. We're going to work we're with, we're, we're going to be working alongside our kids just the way we would a best friend. We're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. We're going to honor their impulse to be their drunken self. That's okay. They're doing what they need to do. And we're going to try to keep them safe and support them along the way. And we'll circle back over coffee sure. the next morning. But I think mm-hmm. that that's that idea of saying our voice becomes our kid's inner voice in that way. The way we show up for them when they're struggling, when they're on the outside, when they're a wild animal, mm-hmm. right? When they're a little tipsy in that, you know, metaphorical way. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how they will begin to treat themselves and see themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Through our eyes. Um, Girl Raising Men said, how can I support myself and my kids when they're freaking out, whining, crying, screaming, and I can't handle the noise? Too much sensory input for me. I sometimes start acting uh, or yelling at them to stop. You start acting yeah. like them, said. Acting like them. Yeah, totally. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Takes neurons. Us, takes us so fast, the, mm-hmm. the loud noises. When our kids are doing wild stuff, it's fine from a distance. It's fine if it's mm-hmm. quiet. I'm like a cool as a cucumber. Mm-hmm. And the minute the, the volume starts going up, mm-hmm. I lose it so fast. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. Chime in, in there if, if you <laughs> feel the same way. If you get this, uh, screamed out, right, whined out. I think that's a huge thing. I think that um, a large part of this is saying when we can, can we notice this happening early? Can we start mm-hmm. seeing the signs a little bit earlier and work our way backwards and start setting those boundaries, mm-hmm. right? Start working with them to de-escalate or setting our own personal boundaries a little bit earlier before it gets to that trouble that goes brain explode, right? Mm-hmm. I think that the times that we struggle the most are when we're in the car because we can't stop them from screaming. We, the only it's thing the we hardest. can do is park the car and get out of it, right? But think, most of the times, there are lots of other times our kids are using very... Um, high-pitched yelling and different things Mm -hmm. um, and sounds when we can try to create a little bit of separation Mm -hmm. on the earlier side. I see where this is going. The whining is whatever. Okay, redirection and innovation haven't worked. Connection and getting to their level haven't worked. Mm -hmm. This is on their thing that's Mm -hmm. happening. I can't, you know, move them through it, get Mm -hmm. alongside of it. And now I'm basically being dragged along and I'm collateral Mm -hmm. damage. But it's so easy first to just expel them. Mm-hmm. Take this somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Go somewhere else or you be quiet. I'm going to control you to be quiet. We put a limit. It's so hard mm-hmm. to say, I can't control another human and I shouldn't have to control another I can, human. I can state my personal preference. I can try and work with them. I can try to work with them yeah. alongside them. And when that's not working, if we can take a break, great. Go take some deep breaths or do some jumping jacks or scroll through your phone in your bedroom or hide in the bathroom or use my trusty friends, the earplugs. I just put them in a tiny bit, like halfway, so I'm not like feeling like I'm negligent and, and ignoring um, the energy and I can kind of keep tabs on what's going on, but it's not piercing my soul so, mm-hmm. so much, you know? Mm-hmm. It's really hard. We're trying to go all the way through here, so I think we'll get to you um, yeah. at the end here. Someone was chiming in and I've totally lost them now. Okay. Things are coming in fast. My six-year-old girl has big feelings and has an extra hard time when she doesn't get her way or plans change. She throws big tantrums. How can I help? Yes. Yeah, she sounds kind of spirited. And sensitive. We love that. We love the spirited yes. and sensitive kids with, 
with a little bit more delicate nervous systems, the ones who flip a switch fast, the ones who resist hard, the The ones ones who feel a a strong sense of unfairness and it weighs on them very heavily. Yeah. Yeah. And and who struggle with transitions and, Mm -hmm. and not getting their way. Think about, we've yeah. been culturally conditioned to think they're not getting their way. They're throwing their little fit. Ugh, they're such a spoiled little brat. You know? They need to learn that the it's world like, doesn't revolve around them. This is them. just the best. And I love <clears throat> that you're saying, how can I help? It's I just so that. wonderful. Um, and I think that she would be experiencing meltdowns as opposed to she throws a big tantrum. Mm-hmm. And I think that our language in this, in our, even in our own minds, <laughs> is so important going into it. If we're thinking our kids are doing this on purpose, to defy us, to manipulate us, to put a wrench in our day, how are we going to react compared to if we think of it as their brain is dysregulated, their nervous system is haywire, they're needing help and support. And they're doing, they're behaving in a way the best they know how to get their needs met. Right. Just like they were when they were a crying so, baby. So keep focusing on that word help that you yeah. said. She needs help, right? She needs help right now. Mm-hmm. And I think in those moments, you can check out our big feelings guide, which is on our website um, under our shop. But we validate, we acknowledge you really wanted to go to that. And when we said that we couldn't go, you didn't like that. I'm sorry. I I get that. I think that with our kids and even with us as adults, certain feelings cause a sense of insecurity in us and they make us feel unsafe. And feeling unsafe then leads our brain to go into fight or flight mode. Mm -hmm. We we get dysregulated. We lose our cool. We become imbalanced, right? Mm -hmm. Our nervous systems start going a little haywire, right? Mm -hmm. And what we need in those moments isn't reasoning, isn't information, isn't um, an alternative, isn't mm-hmm. any of these things. It's just security again, mm-hmm. right? And so I think one of the number one powers we have as parents is our relational security, our attachment, us saying, I'm here, you're safe. Mm-hmm. You're safe in the feelings that you have that you're not used to having that much, mm-hmm. that you're a little confused about, or that really bothered you and threw you off base a little yeah. bit. And if I can help you feel safe in those feelings, you're going to be able to want to work on them, to mm-hmm. identify them, to communicate them, and to adapt yeah. to them. But the li- that will lead you to resilience. Yeah, the little white patriarchal dude on our shoulder is like, but that's just rolling out the red carpet for them to just shit all over you. And you're just, you're asking how they're doing and you're trying to attune them to themselves when they're throwing this monstrous fit just because <clears> they didn't get their way. Yes, that is what we're doing so that our kids actually learn to process disappointment process transitions, navigate through all of their, their ups and downs mm-hmm. and end up on the other side, knowing what just happened right. instead of um, being part of a family. Like many of us were that just swept any big feelings or struggles or challenges under the rug. Right. right? And meanwhile, we were holding on to all of that. Yeah. Meanwhile, we were feeling shame mm-hmm. maybe for the way we felt or the things we needed. Yeah. Maybe we didn't have words or felt the permission to communicate even with adult skills at that point, mm-hmm. what we were needing because yeah. Of those childhood experiences. Yeah, and I think we've also been conditioned to think, okay, if I validate and acknowledge my child's experience that they wanted to go to that park or they really wanted that other cookie or they really wanted to watch two more shows on or the win iPad, that game, that means that one, they're going to do it again. And I don't want that to happen. Guess what? They're going to do it again anyway. And secondly, that, um, <clears throat> that we have to cave, that we have to give in. And it's just not true. We can say, oh, I'm sorry, we're not going. Or they already know it because that's why they're having the fit. And then we just validate and acknowledge. We don't have to cave on the, do on the limit. We don't have to do anything. And, and I think that it's so natural for us to get into a fit ourselves when our kids are having these big feelings and resistances about a decision that's been made or a limit that's been held. And our, our job really in that moment is just to relax ourselves, regulate ourselves so that we can co-regulate mm-hmm. and teach our kids, like you said, that it's safe, that their impulse to not want that 
to have that fierce sense of injustice, to have the impulse to resist and persist and insist for what they want Mm -hmm. is brilliant and wonderful and something we don't want them to lose ever, right? Right now, it's about a board game or a transition or an ice cream, Mm -hmm. but someday it's going to be about immigration. It's going to be about Mm -hmm. women's reproductive rights. Mm -hmm. It's going to be about their neighbor or Mm -hmm. their coworker Mm -hmm. or their child. And we want them to feel like they have a healthy sense of entitlement in following that inner wisdom and authority that is very strong as a child and that we very can easily extinguish through conventional wisdom. Yeah, and I want to just throw this out as an example. Whenever our kids are struggling with something, part of our empathy step is really thinking, have I been through something like this? How How would I feel? Okay, well, it's not, I didn't want to go to the park. I can't think of that. Okay, what about when I really wanted to buy um, a new pair of shoes recently and I was talking to my partner about it? What if they'd been like, or maybe they were, shoes? No, why are you making such a big deal? We, we don't have that dis- disposable income. Why would you bring that up? Why? Just just stop this. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous, right? As opposed to, you really wanted those shoes. Which kind did you want? Oh. I wish we could get those shoes too. We're gonna to get there soon, babe. We're gonna be able to soon. I know we can't right now. I wish we could. What can we do to move towards that? What can we do next time, right? That's the person that we wanna be for our kids, the person that we need for ourselves. And that's what puts us in this pickle sometimes. Mm-hmm. What else is going on with everyone? Oh, we've got a lot a lot of ones coming in here, but uh, someone had said that about back to the uh, hypersensitivity to hearing things and someone said, not sure what to say or do. And someone else said um, that- Like when uh, their kids are loud and yeah. leave and- mm-hmm. And that, um, oh my gosh, I'm getting like, I'm totally getting lost in all of these. Why don't you start, start towards the top and we'll just move down. Okay. <laughs> Why are you just scrolling well, back and forth? It was, because it was, someone else said it was so hard to deal with. Great, we'll just get um, there when we get there. Okay. Well, someone else said, what do you actually say when you're in the moment when you're overwhelmed and flooded? You know, I would say I, I'm really struggling I would say right now. I'm struggling with the volume right now, yeah. or I'm needing to cover my ears for a I moment. I think I might need to take a quick break. I'll be right back. And we try right. to say it as soon as we can before we're screaming it, right? Mm-hmm. That's our goal. Goals. Try to say anything before you're screaming it, you know? And I think that that's where our own self-awareness comes in into play. This is why we're coaching our kids. What are you needing? What were you needing? Oh, and you started getting a little more upset. And then you started getting a little more upset. We're helping our kids tune into their their bodies and their somatic needs. And we're trying to practice that at the same time. I'm like, oh shit, I totally screamed at them. What was I needing? What was I going through? Two minutes before that, maybe that would have been a good time to step out, take and, a personal time yeah. out or say what my needs are. Or- and remembering that like, even when uh, we want to help our kids all the time, but if we're really struggling, we must help ourselves first. It's okay. Our, our three-year-old and five-year-old are probably not going to harm each other if we step out of the room for a quick our moment. Our baby screaming in a crib is going to be okay. It's going to be okay, yeah. but they're really going to be okay if we are not screaming. So mm-hmm. I think that oftentimes our, our quick time out can be preferable to what can happen if we're overloaded. Someone here says, my three-year-old's constantly disagreeing for the sake of being just contrarian. I'm always saying, no, let's make it a yes day. But he's not into yes days at all. Ooh, I love mm. that. Don't tell me how to feel, mommy. Yeah. Don't if tell you me say yes, yes I'm I say, say no. no. <laughs> I, I love, love that. I mean, th- th- that is this cohort if we're raising future you future lawyer right there. Yeah. No I pushover at all. Uh-uh. I mean, yes days are... 
I mean, would make our lives a lot easier, wouldn't they? Yeah. Let's be honest. I haven't um, had one of those in a while. I know, especially with, you know, Kelsey's got the sensitive and spirited kids that if you say, how about some ice cream? They will say no if they feel that you have an agenda that they eat that ice cream. Sniff that out right away. <clears throat> and I think that's very typical of three-year-olds, regardless of whether they're sensitive or spirited. And I think that oftentimes the constant disagreeing for the sake of being contrarian, I personally do that when I'm feeling a little uncomfortable inside mm-hmm. and I'm simmering, mm-hmm. right? I think a lot of kids will, they're good, they're good, they're good, and then boom, meltdown, mm-hmm. right? They go just full on, pop the top, right? Mm-hmm. Other kids, they simmer. Right. That's like what I do. And my husband will be like, because didn't you say that we're going to go wherever? I'll be like, I did not say that. Mm -hmm. And he'll be like, yeah, you did. And I'm like, no, I didn't say that. How was your day? I mean, it was better than yesterday. Right. (laughs) Whatever. Those types of things. Right. That's usually because I feel uncomfortable. We're pushing. And then then poking is a level higher than simmering. But notice what your child's stress language is, I Mm -hmm. think, is part of it. I think our kids all have different stress languages, right? Some kids might whine a lot when they're stressed and everything is hard. Or other kids might get really clingy and just want to be around you all the time. Mommy, 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 mm-hmm. right? Constant attention. Other kids, when they're stressed, might be just bombastic and like, well, not in your face, ugly mm-hmm. mama, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Other yeah. kids might just want to be alone. Every child is so different. And so, and this, they're moving through different developmental stages as well. They yeah. all have their own stress <clears throat> language, love language, all the things, but mm-hmm. that's changing through time as well. It's it's constantly a moving target, right? I think it's that so hard. when our three-year-old is disagreeing with us, I, I think it just it's beautiful because it calls us in to check ourselves. Mm-hmm. Anytime our, our kids say no or mm-hmm. uh, not this, that, mm-hmm. that, that brings us into awareness of saying, how much am I dominating this situation? I have my perspective, but is this the mama show? I was going to say, right? a yes day sounds like the mom day right. to me a little bit. And because a yes day to us isn't maybe a no day to our yeah. child, but right? It, is yeah. it? Have we done a yes day for them? Because yeah. that would be pretty interesting. Yeah, what's their yes day look like? Because it's not the same <clears throat> as ours. We talk about these these personal lenses, right, mm-hmm. that we each have. Each of us has this, this set of goggles. And we're like, oh, it's obviously the Kelty show because this is the world. This is my life. And everyone should just conform and move along and, and have a yes day alongside me. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be amazing? Right? We also talk about how we've been conditioned to think in this hierarchy within a family. Yes, we're in charge. Yes, we're responsible for so much. But it doesn't have to be like this from top to bottom. Right? We can respect our kids in more of a democratic, egalitarian way by saying, we all have a voice here. We don't all, you don't always get your way, but we all have a voice here. Mm-hmm. You have the right to say no. You have the right to disagree. You have the right to push back against me and my agenda. Yes, I w- I'm in control. <clears throat> yes, I have responsibility and I'm in charge, but this is your life too. Right. right, And that's what our kids do when they resist us. It reminds us, okay, this isn't a stage play where I'm the director the writer, the producer, I'm handing out all the sheets the and the liner and all the things, right? This is more of an improv routine, right? Where we're all juggling the balls together, where I say something and what are you going to say? That's interesting. Now, what am I going to say? Where every right? actor's <clears throat> value has the same amount of worth, every play person's value. And I think that remembering what our ultimate goal is in our families, and it's not harmony. When when we want our, our goal to be harmony, that's when we say, you need to say yes. What? You said No. What? Mm-hmm. When well, we all need to That's be in going agreement all the, the time. That is a very institutionalized type approach of top down saying, this is my idea. This must be your idea too. And this must be your idea too. And all the way down the line, right? And it doesn't go back up, right? Mm-hmm. But what we want instead, our goal rather than harmony in our family is connection. 
And connection does not always look like cuddles and baking cookies and agreeing with one another. Mm -hmm. Connection looks like understanding ourselves and the other person, especially through conflict and through disagreement. Right. We can connect through those moments. I think we always think, oh, connection. Yes. Those happy moments. We connect a lot. And then we have these really shitty ones that we don't talk about at all. There's no growth happening there. That's like anti-growth. Right. We just took steps back. Right. We think positive things. We're growing. We're nurturing. We're doing so good. And then when there's conflict, when there's no, when there's absolutely no, when there's, I want to do this instead, when there's, you're an ugly mommy or a door slam or I won't get dressed or yucky food or whatever it is, we think, oh, we went backwards. That's not growth. And it's all growth. It's all important. Our family is not on a clip chart, right? We are not measuring yeses and nos and pleases and thank yous and rights and wrongs, right? Conflict is an opportunity to get to know each other. You do not grow through harmony. Do not. No growth there, right? Our kids will just be like, yeah, mom, yeah, mom. And then they'll go and live a life that's separate from us. We don't want that. We want to engage lovingly and willingly in these Mm -hmm. conflicts with our kids so they know they can always come to us and grow with us. Yeah. So when our kid is feeling uh, or seeming a little what we would call contrary and we're getting a lot of no's instead of saying, I want to eat a pee please. (laughs) We can definitely think that because we're all, we've all been there. I'm a journal about that later. This morning I was like, please let this be a yes morning. And it wasn't, it was Mm -hmm. a s'mores at 5.30 morning. That's okay. Right. (laughs) We can be thinking about all these things and rewriting these beliefs. Right. Right. And we can say something like, you didn't want that. So you're not loving this idea. Okay. What's your idea? Let's talk about it. Or what would you rather do? So when our kid says no, or uh uh-uh, or uh uh-uh, and we're hearing that a lot, start asking questions and not in a grilling way. Like Mm -hmm. why? (laughs) What's your problem? But like, tell me more. Seek to understand. And we can still be kind of moving along through with the things, whatever the thing is they're resisting. You don't think it's nice outside today. Interesting. Okay. Okay, Tell me more. What's your dream day? Mm -hmm. What Mm -hmm. else? You're not excited to see your friends later. Oh, okay. I thought I thought you were. I want to know. What do you really think? Mm-hmm. Gosh, I guess I was putting words in your mouth a little bit. Sorry about that. How, that was, how was your time with them last time? Right. As in like maybe right. maybe you're being contrary or maybe you didn't like or something about pa- your hangout. This pasta is so good. Oh, you don't think so. Oh, I guess I, I should just say, I think this pasta is so good. I guess that's my opinion. That's not the truth, right? Yeah. What's your truth? Yeah, that's such a, a huge... A huge thing is we do not determine our child's personal truth. Mm-hmm. Everyone has their own personal truth and yeah. we get to learn theirs. That's part of the, the magic and the mystery and the, the mania <laughs> having to, <laughs> to navigate through this and be like, oh yeah, they have their own personal truth. Oh yeah, they have their own personal reality. Oh yeah, they, oh, own, yeah. they have their own sense of self and identity and needs oh, and, yeah. and the way and they agenda. express it is really tricky and triggering because when I expressed my own truth as a child, damn, that was shut down every time. Yeah, that I was sucked. rude. I was outspoken. Mm-hmm. Right? That didn't go well. Did not go so well. Right? No wonder I feel uncomfortable when my child speaks their truth in front of me. No wonder. Yeah. Right? Someone said, how do we deal with play date fighting situations? Like the he did this, she did that, and it just doesn't stop. I would refer Mm -hmm. you to our sibling conflict guide where we work as that mediator and just calm everybody, translate Mm -hmm. needs. We mentioned that earlier in this live. Yeah. And then I would check in with the play date parents and say, Mm -hmm. trying to support them neutrally so that they can learn, keep everyone physically safe. And then I'm thinking about just being a sensitive support person to just say, you were needing this, you wanted this. And then what happened? Mm -hmm. We're being so neutral. What do you think about that? Do you feel like maybe they're having a little stress and should take a little break? Do you feel like they're doing okay? Is this anxiety provoking for you? How are you guys doing about it? Right? Mm Mm-hmm. 
What else? Um, let's see. I, I can't even catch up on everything right now. Just Sometimes be, forget yeah. that children and still how to navigate their world. Their frontal lobe is still developing. We need to be their frontal lobe and help them be rational. You're a neuroscience. Yes, curious neuron. That's our job until they build that PFC, right? Mm-hmm. And I have not even gotten to the bottom here. Your analogies are on fire. The drunk friend, the buying the shoes, just yes. <laughs> oh, good. Um, let's see. Recommendations by Somebody Dobson says, and the strong-willed the child. Someone too, asks. Please. Sorry. Wondering if you address this approach, and I'd be interested to hear your review. So the strong-willed child by Dobson. We will look into that and get back to you. Um, I'm going to get back up to the top here so we can... Try and I like, hit you like your spirited comments. child by Mary Sheedy. What's yeah. her name? Mm-hmm. And um, the um, Ross Green book. Yeah, raising 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 humans. human beings. Human yeah, beings. yeah. Um, so wellness doula, you said there must have been another question we missed farther up. So I'm so sorry, but you said also other private part related question. My two and a half year old is also asking to see my vagina, my bum, etc. She, of course, just is just curious, but wondering how to best navigate supporting her curiosity, but also boundaries and learning how to be safe about her own and others' private parts, consent, etc. I'll go look for the other one. That is such a great question. Um, we love talking about this, but we want to refer you first to Melissa Pinter Carnegie of Sex Positive Families. That's an mm-hmm. Instagram account. She has a new book out. And Ros- Rosalia um, Rivera, Rivera of About Consent. And consent um, parenting, consent parenting is, the, is yeah is the account is the account and her podcast is called about Instagram. consent. So consent parenting and sex positive families are two great accounts to follow by two amazing people who uh, know way more about uh, body safety, body positivity, right? Consent um, culture, yeah, all the sex people. talks, all that than we do. But generally speaking, I would welcome uh, my child's curiosity up to an area where I felt comfortable and then lovingly explain my own personal boundaries of what I'm comfortable with. I would be very gentle and respectful and considerate about treating her body in particular ways. We would have talks about who touches your body in those types of ways, who touches my body in those ways. It's just, you know, daddy, my doctor, you know, who looks at my body in those ways Mm -hmm. Just so that we can start building that awareness. And those don't have to be big sit-down official conversations. They can be just... Because you know that nobody can look at your private parts except for you and mommy and daddy. And you can always tell me if someone wants to, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I'm not comfortable with you peeking in my underwear right now because I have a personal boundary and I need to give consent for that, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm just not feeling it right now. Right. Maybe when I'm getting in the shower later Mm -hmm. and you're hanging out, like doing your puzzle, you could check out my bum, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. September said, I had a really tough day with huge meltdown with four-year-old son. Had to hold him so he couldn't hit or throw stuff. He said, I hate you to me for the first time ever. Oh, gosh. We're sorry sorry that happened. Yeah. We're really sorry. That's really, really tricky. That's the first time. You added that uh, he was having big feelings and I was better being calm this evening, but really triggered in the morning. And me, mom, yelled bad, did some special time, but don't feel like we were paired or attuned. Yeah. That's okay. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. okay. That's okay. Oh, four-year-old big feelings. And when they're throwing things, it's so hard to know. Are they in a place where the things they're throwing are going to be safe? Or do we have to physically move them or physically restrain them? Some kids mm-hmm. need that safe mm-hmm. 
feeling of I'm going to hold you because and help you. Mm-hmm. And other kids get more frustrated by that touch mm-hmm. and hate that touch and might wig out even more. Mm-hmm. And, and that four-year-old time, the first time that he's maybe having a big one or maybe the first time he says he hates you, which is so hard. Um, to hear um, all of these moments when we think, gosh, can't we just put off a meltdown or a tantrum as long as possible? And I think it's the opposite. I think the sooner that our kids are having these big feelings, almost the better because we can be practicing, not just regulating their emotions and helping them move through feelings, feel safe about it, identify Mm -hmm. those feelings, building, working their emotional intelligence, but we can actually physically move them if we need to. Keep them safe a lot more Keep them safe if we need to and practice showing Mm -hmm. them that when they're throwing rocks at people's faces, we might have to help move them away mm-hmm. if we can't move other bodies away. Right. Or if they're going for all of the dishes and just chucking dishes, mm-hmm. that we have to help move their bodies away. And that's right. easier when they're <clears throat> smaller. Right. And it's so hard too. I mean, I it's just uh, being present to a child that is so dysregulated that they're harming themselves, harming other people, destroying mm-hmm. property is very, very triggering just based on our own upbringings, just based on feeling violent or um, or preyed upon in general. Mm-hmm. And that's really, really tricky. And then we then have to be the calm, confident person that keeps them safe. It's a lot. And so I think um, holding grace for yourself and, and knowing that you did the best job that you could and remembering too, just with throwing things and hurting words like I hate you, mama, are part of that dysregulation. And and our kids, remember, are always doing the best they can in the moment with the skills they have. Mm -hmm. And their discomfort and their fight flight response is going to look really, really gnarly, right? Yeah. And it's going to evolve from a baby that's just screaming and crying to a little toddler that's just wigging out and flailing all over the place to a four-year-old who has a tantrum and is throwing things and saying, I hate you. Those are all the same, Mm -hmm. right? But it's such a big ask to say, can I try my best to respond with the same love and connection um, and and presence that I did when they were an infant struggling Mm -hmm. with their their regulation, with their nervous system, with their brain, right? Mm -hmm. It's such a big ask and it's so tricky. Yeah. So good job on that. And don't forget about the circle back. You know, it's in our mm-hmm. trust step of our resist approach. It's repair where doesn't have to happen immediately. It definitely doesn't. Yeah. We can repair later. We can repair the next day, the next week. We can say, oh, remember when you were struggling that that morning right before school and, and I had to hold you to keep you safe. And, and I, I think I yelled and it didn't go the way that I wanted. And I'm so sorry. What can I do to support you next <clears throat> time you're having those big feelings? Because I thought maybe you couldn't even hear me couldn't even mm-hmm. hear my words. What can I do to show you that that I love you and that your feelings are okay and and help you feel better? Right. And he might just sit there and not say anything or he might be walking out of the room while you're talking and that's okay too. That's okay. It's all getting right. in there. We're, we're just saying, even though this is terrifying, even bringing this up, is this planting seeds for, for it to happen again? No. Even if, even if I think that it's not getting in there at all, I'm making steps towards creating a positive association around conflict. We all think conflict, create a negative association with that. So, so that's why I'm going to go into my toolbox, <laughs> my control toolbox and shame, blame, spank, this unforgettably terrible. This must be so terrible. They remember to never do this again, but that's not how it works. Our kids' brains are wired to pursue their impulses, to be learning and growing through everything they're feeling. And they have very little, little impulse control and, and regulation skills. That's our job, not to convince them that this is the conflict or big feelings or behaviors are a negative thing, but to say, 
they're okay. And I'm going to help support you through them so that we can grow and learn on the other side. I love that, Kel. I think it's really natural for us to want to dissuade our kids using negative reinforcement to do wild things because we're just thinking to the next tantrum, to the next throwing thing, to the next whatever, not remembering Mm -hmm. that our kids are going to experience difficult emotions and conflict the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. And the conditioning that we're doing right now isn't just saving us a meltdown in a month or a day. It's literally programming them to experience conflict in a way that's adaptive, right? Comfortable, moving through it, Mm -hmm. noticing needs, noticing other needs, or that's maladaptive, avoiding conflict, blaming other people, drinking because they're stressed, mm-hmm. doing those types of things. But but that's such a glorious idea. But I think we look at their behavior as adaptive or non-adaptive. Yeah. So we're like, this, they should just that's be so like, true. you know, yeah. mom, I'm feeling some stress. I actually didn't feel like going to school today because there's this one kid who blah, 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 blah. And I actually would really like being home with you, even though you have a baby. Oh my God. Yeah. That's a, that's a big deal too. I've been meaning to bring up the fact that that's added some stressors to my life lately. And plus the whole COVID thing. And I just I have this itchy shirt and I'm just like, it's just a bunch of things right now, but get back to me when you're ready. That would be an adaptive way for a four-year-old to express their big feelings. And it's never going to fucking happen, right. right? Our kids actually in their tantrums are not maladaptive. That is an adaptive way to meet their needs, mm-hmm. but it just looks bad to us. Well, and they will never say those things because they don't have the awareness yet. And they don't have the skills. And the only way for our kids to build that language is from us. Not expecting them to have it already, right. but using it ourselves for them to eventually take so it on. So that circle back says, how are right. you doing? I noticed you were having those big language, feelings. Language, language, How was school? It seemed like maybe you didn't really want to go. Language, okay. language, language. Yeah. And, and there was this, you just want to be home. You know, I've been meaning to bring up the baby thing because yeah. even though we're happy about the baby language, being language, here. Language, awareness. Oh my gosh. It's been a big change. And I've been spending less time with you. And I'm sorry about that. I think about you all the time and I miss you, right? And I also, I forgot to cut the tag out of your shirt. Should we do that? Mm-hmm. Right? We're the ones building that, building that that language around our kids' inner experience, turning that into words instead of shaming them for how it looks. Right. And right? not having those words yet. Yeah. Yeah. Someone says, we have a new baby and a 22-month-old and five-year-old. While they're in love with the baby, they're struggling in every other way, listening to us, sleeping, fighting with each other. Help! Yes. We should jump on a coaching call. We do one-on-one coaching calls, and we're going to start a group coaching, um, like, kind of membership club. Come up with some name uh, for it. (laughs) Starting in June. So um, head over to upbringing.co and check out our our options, um, because that is, like, that is... um, uh, Kind of a longer term than two minute answer than we'd be yeah, able to we, give we you right now. We coach with a lot of families who yeah. are on their third or fourth baby, and it's just it's yeah. a bomb, and everyone's struggling from it absolutely yeah. and naturally. And I think the number one thing that I would say, yeah. if we could give the one minute mm-hmm. liner, is to just try to take the pressure off your older kids. And it's so easy to dive in and think I have to be the 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 um, the protector of this baby, and the baby is the priority, and the baby needs me, and has all these things. And I think that older something- kids can put pants on, oh, feed themselves. Fine. They should just go get along Stop already. Fighting. Gosh. Um, and I think that we have to keep remembering the baby's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. We just have to meet the baby's basic needs and give them time on their own to explore their world, play independently, discover their body, move their body, do all of their things, find safe places to put that baby so you can be with your 22-month-old and your 5-year-old and be filling their cup and easing this transition the, as best you can. That's my biggest yeah. advice. 
I love that. Someone asked us, what's our stance on screen time? And I think we just did a post on screen time today and we mm -hmm. have a download for it. So go to our Instagram upbringing here mm -hmm. at upbringing.co and check out I'm our for download. it. Actually, we're, we're about to hang up so we can go watch, watch uh, <laughs> All Creatures we Great and Small. We love screen time we do. now and again. We will have our... our PBS masterpiece <laughs> addiction uh, addictions. Um, and then our kids, um, you know, it's different for every family and you got to go by the, the pediatric association rules. Um, we love, Whatever. um, what's it called? Um, screenfreeparenting.org, whether you're screen free or not, it just helps build awareness mm -hmm. around what screen time is, how you can use it in a constructive um, healthy, quote unquote, way, and what the what alternatives are that you're just yeah. like, oh yeah, I forgot they could be doing that instead of screens. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. we also yeah. recommend the site Common Sense Media, which uh, gives age recommendations and synopses of shows yeah. and movies. Because I'm like, they could, they're totally old enough to watch, mm -hmm. um, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? No, <laughs> not they're not. So and I would actually add a few years to each of the mm -hmm. the recommendations yeah. personally. And I think so much about screen time has to do with you as the parent and who your child is mm -hmm. and, and what's going on there. I think that if we're going to scream at our kids, then having a screen for them is probably ideal. If our kids do really poorly after watching a screen because they're on sensory overload and have a meltdown, maybe they need less screen time, right? Mm -hmm. um, if, instead of watching really fast-paced whatever they want to watch, mm -hmm. uh, we can find really slow-paced shows. There are lots of amazing options. If we want to be minimizing screen time, that can be an amazing conversation that can mm -hmm. totally work. We can move to podcasts and audiobooks, which kids really love too. There's so many options. Yeah. There's not going to be one right answer for every family. Yeah. DM us um, if you want. We'll send you um, a more full Q&A episode we did on screen time where yeah. you can kind of page back through our episodes. Through our podcast episodes. Yeah. yeah. I think we've got to wrap this up in a minute, everybody. I don't think we even got to the bottom here. I feel I feel really bad. Um, we've got to get home to the kiddos. And we're sending love to you all. Gratitude to you all. Yeah, send us a DM if we didn't get to to your, your question. Let's see. Oh, wow. Suggestions for a four-year-old that on preschool days naps and then takes three hours to go to bed. Suggestions. She wants to read books all night and then is hungry again. So I feed and work with her, but so hard. Yes. That is so hard. Keep working that nervous system, that sensory mm -hmm. regulation. So, yeah. I mean, it's really tricky with the naps and then going to that later bedtime. It's very natural. It's going to happen. But how can you get her nervous system balanced and relaxed? So she can really come down, right? Yeah. Can you talk to the people at school about... Can you just poke her every now and then? <laughs> right. Keep her short a little, please. <laughs> right. Something like that. Or can those nights would be just be where you stay up a little later or where you relax a little bit? Yeah. You can right? also try doing bedtime a little bit earlier. Start it sounds earlier. counterintuitive because you're like, because she napped. So that would be silly. But those nights you can kind of... Mm -hmm. uh, kind of relax the routine by beginning it a little bit earlier and then set some bounds some loving boundaries mm -hmm. she may need to stay awake a little bit longer on those nights but She's you don't four. have to read books all yeah. night with her you don't have to make her a second meal you mm -hmm. can hold fast on some limits and some boundaries if you need to you can't mm -hmm. make her go to sleep but you can do as much as you can in the routine and the environment mm -hmm. and with your approach to support her in finding sleep. Yeah, someone asked yes. if we could say those resources again. It was Sex Positive Families mm -hmm. and uh, About Consent were the two Instagram accounts that we... Consent Parenting. Consent Parenting, sorry. About Consent is her podcast. <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah, and for sleep stuff, we also recommend uh, the Happy Sleeper Instagram account and book. They're wonderful mm -hmm. ladies. All right, everyone. Someone says, thanks. Love these chats. It's like I'm hanging out with friends. We are friends. So, We're all so here helpful. together. Mm -hmm. 
Someone says, we love Tony Box audiobook, uh, audiobook system as an alternative to screen time. Love that. Cool. Someone says, thank you for your time and wisdom. It's so helpful to hear all of your examples and get a philosophy refresher. Thank you all. Thank you all Thanks so for much all these for little being notes. here. You're doing an amazing job. You should be really proud of yourself. Um, we're proud of you. We're so grateful to be here talking about this, parenting ourselves as we're parenting our kids, yeah. as we're all showing up in community together and doing this work. Um, it's a lot of work. We're all very lucky to have our kids right now and to all be here together. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. We will see you all soon. We're back next Thursday. We'll be around. We'll do stories for all the stickers we missed. Yes. Sorry about that tonight. Bye, everyone. Bye.